Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hey, hey Maria, don't, don't, don't go away. St- stick around here. I want to talk to you for a second. Uh, welcome back, folks. I am very much looking forward to this conversation. It's, it's a preview, really, of something to come uh, this conference weekend, the, uh, the annual conference of the Church of Jesus Christ, semi-annual. Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will take place this weekend. And as has become the tradition here at KSL News Radio, in between the sessions and before and after, we offer uh, special programming. We look at uh, unique aspects of the community, of various faiths, uh, and present them here. And that is uh, no different this coming weekend. Hosting one of those specials is KSL News Radio's own uh, Maria Chaleos, who joins me now. Maria, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. That's my pleasure. What's the theme of your special hour, which will air, what, Sunday? It's Sunday from 1 to 2. From 1 to 2. What and will you discuss? it is called Quarantined Faith. And in the hour that precedes, Boyd Matheson really takes a look at what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has done in the pandemic um, to provide humanitarian aid and to provide services to their people. And then in this special from 1 to 2, I take a look at other faiths how other faiths have adapted to that. So basically, I spoke with three different pastors, well, two pastors and one a member of the Islamic Society of Salt Lake. And we talked about, boy, how have you adapted? What are you doing? How are your people impacted by what has happened? Was there a general sense of like how people are holding up? I know it's a challenge, certainly, uh, but we've been facing this challenge for, for some time now. How has adapting to the challenge gone? Okay, super tough time for all of us and even more extreme for others. So the interviews I did, um, one with the Calgary Baptist Church, uh, Reverend Moses, um, one with the Islamic Society of Salt Lake, and one from the Rock Church. The thing that they have in common is all three have faced some pretty severe challenges when it comes to how their people have been reacting. All of them have had to deal with mental health challenges. You were talking about domestic abuse and how that's increased on your show, and they've all had to deal with that. They still have to help those people provide services for them. Um, A couple of those communities have been extra hard hit economically, and so they've had to help provide food and health care for their, their members, right? So in that way that they are all similar, but the churches are so different. How they've actually adapted to provide worship services has has come out sort of in a different way than I would have expected. Depending on your faith, you worship differently, and uh, you know not all worshiping practices lend themselves uh, well to a Zoom call. Right. Going back to uh, something you you mentioned just a moment ago, uh, I was raised. Uh, my dad taught me this way. When, when, you, uh, when you're facing a challenging time, you first look to uh, the resources you have at your own disposal. 
uh, we ultimately are responsible for taking care of ourselves. Failing mm-hmm. that, uh, we then turn to family. Uh, is there any help that we could get from uh, you know a sibling or a parent or something? And then, uh, you know, failing uh, resources made available by your family, it is then when you turn to your uh, your faith group. And I think that that attitude uh, is fairly common. Uh, and uh, getting back to what you said, one of the one of the roles played by you know whatever stripe. Uh, is, uh, you know, as a faith group uh, to provide uh, food and resources, sometimes monetary support, uh, and that has only been exacerbated by this COVID-19. The good thing is, though, they've had to reach some, you know, um, they've had to work with others to really provide some of these services. So they have really come up with some partnerships that are different than you wouldn't have expected, you know, with other churches and things like that. Yeah. But let me just tell you quickly how each of them adapted. So, for example, the Rock Church, I think, has a really unique... They had like they have drive-up church. Okay. That's how they're providing their Sunday services, much like a drive-in theater. Okay. Which is very unique. You know, you pull up in the parking lot of the church, and the pastor told me, you know, they listen to the service, they can hear the band playing, and so that's how they're connecting and they have used some social media, but for their Sunday services, that's what they're doing. Now, for the Islamic Society of Salt Lake, this has been really difficult. They pray five times a day, mostly in their mosque. And so for them, their mosque really connects them to the other people celebrating the faith. And so that has been extremely difficult for them because they've had to pray at home by mm. themselves. Right? So that's been really different from for them. But... They do have, they have had some Zoom meetings. They have yeah. had their youth meeting on Zoom, that type of thing. Um, Calgary Baptists, they're not meeting in person yet. And since they have um, some older people that they're extremely concerned with, they can't do social media. Right. Right? Or they don't even have computers, depending on what what their family situation is, the economy of their family is like. And so they have brought back a very small group of 15 older people that can actually celebrate in their church. Other than that, they've had to do, you know, a weekly meeting on Zoom or on social media. So it, it's it's really interesting to look to look at how they're each kind of adapting to things. And, you know, they're being very careful about going back to church. Yeah. Not everybody's right back in there, in the thick of it. You, you have some samples from uh, Sunday's broadcast that you're able to share with us today. What do you have? I want to share this one because I asked each of them how concerned they are about people coming back to church. People get very comfortable in their homes watching social media, and I asked them if they were concerned that that was going to be an issue with people coming back to church. They're all concerned about that. We do get comfortable. Are they going to be back in the pews in church, right? But I think the Reverend Moses of Calgary Baptist gave me one sound bite that I want to play that really made me stop and think about my own faith. And he says that the new normal may be that the church will become smaller and smaller because religion is persecuted. This is just me. I'm, you know, my personal uh, philosophy about church. I don't think church, that might be even advantageous because, you, you know, you might find the true core uh, at, at the end of this pandemic. You know, the people that, that decide to really come back or decide to really get involved or to uh, live that victorious Christian life, it might be a smaller number. And so we might have to rethink, reimagine the way we do ministry, um, scale it down to be more personable, uh, make the environment more comfortable for those who are serious about learning the Word of God and take a stand on what's wrong. 
Okay, so you have to stop and think. Um, might get smaller and smaller. Might have to have smaller services. But then you wonder about the financial sustainability of churches, right, if they end up being in that. And that's just him, right? right? But it, ha- it makes us each think about our own faith. Are we going to be the ones will that are closer be, to God? Will we be the core Are we going to be the core group? At the end of this. The other interesting thing is they are all thinking about how do we use social media, the Internet, to in the future. Um, one even talking about hiring a social media director because they can see the importance of that. 2020 is a weird year. So weird. Maria Chaleos, thank you so much. Sunday from 1 o'clock until 2, uh, the special program is called Quarantine Faith, Exploring Devotion from a Distance. Very much looking forward to that full report. Thank you so much, Maria Chaleos. We're going to take a break in, in a moment. When we return... Uh, We're going to shift gears here, and we're going to welcome back to the program Shane Stewart. You hear from him often, uh, of course, the certified financial planner with DMBA. And what we're going to discuss with Shane is a question that I believe is on everyone's mind. And I think maybe, I think maybe uh, that if you are, you know, one who watches your 401k very closely, tries to make wise decisions uh, about how to manage that exactly and the, uh, the different movements that you could make, uh, you, you may tie some of those decisions to politics and in this season, specifically presidential politics. Is that wise? Are there indicators that you should watch? Or are there broader wisdoms that you ought to apply uh, to your own money decisions? Shane Stewart is going to break this all down for us. How do presidential politics weigh into the decisions we make with our own 401ks. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.